We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, all right, all right. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Wednesday, and normally this is a day where we kind of talk about the team, but I got something special planned for y'all today. I am joined today by former University of Texas All-American defensive back. I would say NFL DB Rod, but this is a college show, baby, so we're going to focus on the fact that you're an All-American at the University of Texas. Uh, Also currently a host of Ball Don't Lie, which you can listen to from 3 to 7 Central Time on 104.9 The Horn. Rod, you guys have been gracious enough to have me on your show before, and I've been waiting for the right opportunity to get you back on mine or get you on mine, and this is it because we are going to talk about Notre Dame and the state of Texas and whether or not the state of Texas can or should be an important state for Notre Dame. And Rod, again, buddy, thank you so much for joining us. It's going to be a lot of fun. No, man, I appreciate you, Brian, bringing me on. Uh, when I do my prep for the preseason and anytime we're doing bowl prep, because you guys have been uh, obviously in bowl conversations and uh, college football playoff conversations, always uh, you guys are my go-to, man. So I appreciate you having me on. Got a lot of respect for what you do. I appreciate that, Rod. Let's let's dive right into it, because I know you all love right. talking Texas football, right? Yeah, let's do it. First of all, I think to let's set the stage before we specifically get into Notre Dame and all this. Why are we even talking about the state of Texas, Rod? What is it about the state of Texas? What makes Texas high school football unique in regards to not just what you know what it, it is at the high school level, but also you know what the state of Texas produces when you look at you know just college football, the NFL, all those other type of things. Yeah, I mean, it is, uh, it's multifactorial, right? You're talking about uh, the state that produces arguably the most NFL players, period. Last year, it was second behind Florida and most players drafted. I believe in 2020, it was first. I mean, mm-hmm. usually it's always in it. Was like, it was like six guys behind Florida, too. It wasn't like it yeah. was like, I think it's like 195 yeah. to 189. It's like, yeah, yeah it's, right it's, there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where it's always Florida and Texas right there in that conversation. Uh, but Texas is, you know, just the size of it, of course. I always love giving the, the, the little factor that San 
San Diego is closer to El Paso than Houston is. I mean, (laughs) Texas is just a massive state. So you talk about just the sheer size of it, over 1,400 high schools that are playing high school football. And, you know, if I looked at the on three, I looked at the top 300 uh, recruits of the 2023 class. Texas, of course, has the most of any state out there. I think 51 is the number that they had out there. But most of the recruiting rankings, a lot of your elite prospects or your top-ranked prospects, you know, they end up coming from the state of Texas. And it's the variety you get from Texas, too, right? At one point, uh, you could argue there were more college football quarterbacks playing uh, college football that were from the state of Texas. I actually went and got the numbers here in 2017, it was 13 Power 5 quarterbacks that had played high school football from the state of Texas, most in college football. It was the most in 2018, most in 2019, most in 2020, uh, 2021 as well. But 2022, actually, Cali made a comeback. So give it up for Cali. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Texas has been dominating as the quarterback mecca for a little while. Uh, Texas had a really good offensive line haul this year, uh, and six of, six of those seven guys are uh, from the state of Texas, and they might have been one of the best offensive line recruiting classes in the country. Hell, in 2021, they missed out on nine blue-chip offensive linemen that were from the state of Texas. They couldn't get any of them, including a legacy. Uh, that Tommy Brockermeyer and his brother James Brockermeyer couldn't get those guys. They ended up going to Alabama. So they, it's got anything you want, right? You want skill positions. It's in the conversation. They have great skill positions, wide receivers, and BBs too. So I just think it has a lot of variety. And I think what makes it really special is, you know, the culture of football in Texas. Uh, a lot of people don't talk about this because it's a subject that uh, I don't know if it always paints Texas in a really good light. You go look at the high school coaches in Texas and how much money they're making. There are probably close to 300 coaches in the state of Texas uh, at mm-hmm. the high school level that are making at least 100,000. Uh, and at the top of that, it's, uh, you know, Hank Carter, Lake Travis, and Ty Dodge and those guys. Ty Dodge is retiring now, but those guys were upwards of 150,000, uh, so That is something that's, that's unusual for a state for that many coaches to be making that kind of money because Texas pumps a lot of money into high school football. It's an economic engine in itself. Uh, and a status symbol for a lot of communities here mm-hmm. in Austin. You know, they they take a lot of pride in Austin Westlake in producing college quarterbacks. They become NFL quarterbacks and Lake Travis, the same thing. Uh, so and I'm just here in Austin. Right. Central Texas is blowing up. But Houston and Dallas, those are your main meccas that produce the most NFL talent. But uh, you start looking at stadiums, too. I mean, you talk about the money. I mean, Houston's got Katie's got a million dollar stadium. Allen's got a $68 million. I love this quote. Remember the 2011 Super Bowl uh, that was at, you know, at Jerry World down in Dallas. And the, it was a, it was an ice storm that came through. Right. So uh, the Packers had to actually work out at the, uh, the, they had to work out at the facilities of Highland Park. And they thought, Oh man, this high school facility is going to be terrible, man. It's going to be low budget. Uh, and they went there. And a lot of the guys said they were better than some of the NFL. facilities. Mm. Uh, James Jones said, <laughs> Uh, we barely had a football field in my high school in California. There's too much money out here. They need to send some of that extra cash out to California. Uh, you know, Ryan Pickett uh, said that, you know, hey, an indoor practice field, this is unreal. Uh, this looks like an NFL facility. I mean, it, they, they pumped a lot of money into that facility mm-hmm. and it took a lot of pride in that. Uh, and I think that's part of it, too. Now, those are on high end, but that's right. the case. there's an arms race going on in Texas at all times and all of the the major football capitals, which are Houston, Dallas, hell, now Central Texas is going in there with Austin. San Antonio wants to throw their name in there as well. So there's just this arms race going on, pumping tons of money into, into high school football, which makes the coaching a little bit better. And also your high school football product's going to be better because those guys 
you know, they're to have the best training facilities. They got the best weight rooms now. And I'm not even talking about individual coaching in Texas, which I have friends now. And I can tell you right mm-hmm. now, I could probably be making a ton of money on it too. Mm-hmm. They told me the in like the in in individual coaching with where you talk about the high school level or you're talking about, you know, the individual DB coaches, wide receiver coaches, that is also a booming market here in Texas. And I don't know if you see that as much in other states. I know you see it in California and probably in uh, Florida as well. So it's multifactorial. I mean, it's the passion of the fans and the passion of, I mean, you talk about, I always bring this up to the, um, the high school football championships in Texas, right? There are 12 of them overall, the high school football championship games. And they're all in Jerry World. Now they're all centralized. They average, if you just look at the average, they average 18,000 fans for, for the high, for the 12 high school football championships. The, the most they get is around 47,000 or something for the 6A or 5A state title game, 40, 50,000. You just you don't get those kind of numbers for high school football championship games in other states. Maybe you'll get it. You don't get those for some power five schools in the ACC. <laughs> and I mean, that's, like that's more than 70% of the bowl games. I mean, yes. that's crazy. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's a lot of different things, man. They make it great. And, that are fueling this kind of mm-hmm. this football fever, but also Texas being, I think, kind of a, the football mecca in mm-hmm. America right now. And that's why you got to get a piece of it. Everybody's got to get their piece of it. Everybody's got to get their share. Everybody's carving out their little piece of it. And I guess that's why you want to talk about Notre Dame carving mm-hmm. out their little piece of it too. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you look at the history of Notre Dame, I mean, you know, there's this guy named Tim Brown, you know, that's one guy, mm-hmm. One guy that, you know, was from the state of Texas that that was pretty good. But even just go through the years, there's always been guys from the state of Texas that, you know, that that were really good yeah. football players. I mean, is Bobby and, and Taylor obviously, from here or did Bobby Taylor just play? Did his son or something play? His son is from Texas. I got to I got to remember about Texas. Bobby Taylor. I heard yeah, about that. I, I was like. Because that, that was weird for me. Too. I was like, whoa, what? How did, did Bobby Taylor? Is he from Texas somewhere? I but think I he's from son. Houston. I think he's okay. from Houston. I'd have to go look that up. Yeah, he played at Longview. Yeah, he played at okay. Longview. So, okay. yeah. uh, but you know, he's he's one of many. Lou Holtz had a lot of success, obviously, recruiting down in the state of Texas. Oh, yeah, um, he did. But you know, the, the thing for me is, is it's one of the things I feel too that that is an advantage to recruiting the state of Texas is obviously you're not going to have the volume that the Big Twelve schools have, right? That that's a given. You're not going to sign. 13 kids from Texas every year if you're a place like Notre Dame but you hit on a point about like just the the f- weight rooms are good the facilities the coaching it's all good I've always advocated one of the reasons is you go to Texas is that's where you're going to get more players that are kind of ready to show up and play today like day one they can help you because they are so much further along in a lot of the strength conditioning the technique and those type of things because you know like if you're a college coach and you know you've been a part of a staff that got fired and Hey, I can go down and make $90,000 coaching DBs at, you know, such and such high school in Texas. Whereas in Florida, outside of maybe some of the bigger schools like STA and stuff like that, like those coaches don't make a whole lot, which is why a bunch of them are leaving to go to Georgia. Right. And and to to coach. And so, um, you know, I think that's the thing too. So for Notre Dame, if you're going to recruit a state like Texas in a targeted fashion, you recruit those high level players or those, those, those guys that maybe can, can, can come in and help you right away. And I also think in a state like Texas, another reason I think it's important to recruit the state is I feel Rod is because it's such a densely populated state and there's so many good players, it's easier to to find kids that maybe one of the big schools is overlooking. I think you can yeah. tend to find oh. some diamonds in the rough, you know, like there's this kid that was from Texas name. Uh, what's his name? Plays quarterback for the chiefs. Oh, Pat Mahomes, right. You know, three-star <laughs> kid that kind of got overlooked, goes to Texas tech and, 
lights the world on fire, right? Yeah. And, and so I feel like that's that's another reason why I feel like this is an area that Notre Dame has to tap into. And, and you and I were talking right before the show, and when I said this to you, you were shocked. And, and honestly, I was a little bit too. Notre Dame right now has four players on their roster from the state of Texas. That's it. Avery Davis, Nano Safa Mensa, Jadarian Price, who's an in, who's an early enrollee, and then Brandon Joseph. So Jadarian wow. Price just got on campus. Brandon Joseph just got on campus. Had had Jadarian not signed with Notre Dame and had Brandon not transferred, they'd have two. I mean, you know, it's it's it, they just they didn't make it enough of a priority, in my opinion, for about a decade. Uh, yeah. And and I think that that needs to change, and and that's my at my my argument. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for Irish Breakdown is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools, and Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code IRISH20STAR at manscaped.com. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived, and oh man, it's a game changer. I got my hands on one of these, and I was impressed. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, which I love, by the way, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Brief, which are incredibly comfortable, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. And look, the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4000K LED spotlight you need for a more precise shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the annoying mess on the bathroom floor after a shave. You can take your grooming game even further. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and, nose and Ear Hair Trimmer, which has become increasing, increasingly more in need as I get older. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which help reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. And trust me when I say this, fellas. Your important parts will thank you. 
Manscaped even threw in two free gifts of their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself and go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code IRISH20STAR. And get 20% off your free shipping with the code IRISH20STAR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping, folks, at manscaped.com using the code IRISH20STAR. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. What I said to you, what I we had a show on Monday, Rod, and I told you I was going to tell you my opinion, and and I'm, but I, I didn't tell you before because I, I want to get your reaction. We were discussing, obviously, you and I, you know this. Notre Dame's a national brand. They're going to recruit all over the country. They can recruit all over the country. Yep. And we talked about like what are the base regions? Like you know, you got to recruit Chicago. You got to recruit the Catholic schools in Ohio. You got to recruit Jersey. You know, we went over these things, and then we kind of talked about you know the big three. Texas, California, and Florida. And we all ranked how we would view those three schools. What's the most important one? And one of our guys said Florida. One of our guys argued for Cali. I argued for Texas. And the reason that, that my argument was is, is, number one, I feel like Texas is a state where there's going to be more kids in the state that are going to be more better Notre Dame fits. I think the school systems tend to be better in Texas than they are in Florida. Uh, I think the talent is better in Texas than it is in California. The best school yeah. in California is basically a USC pipeline. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, you're banging your head up against the wall. Yep. And it's a place where I think Notre Dame is going to find more now. What's different, in my opinion, and this is what I wanted to ask you, what's different now than maybe 20, 30 years ago is you're finding in Texas more and more and more non-native Texas kids. Either you they are. may have been born in Texas, That's but true. their parents weren't born in Texas which I think is a little bit different. So I just feel like it's a place where Notre Dame is going to be able to go and recruit the top players, but also do it from more of a volume standpoint. Hmm. Do you agree, disagree with that in regards to specifically Notre Dame? And should, in your opinion, Notre Dame make Texas a bigger priority? I I, I totally agree that number one, Texas should make, they they should make Texas a priority, but I agree with your uh, assessment about the, coming down to Texas to get more volume um, because you start looking at, and I'll get into some stats about it too. You talked about how you can get, you know, more players from diverse backgrounds here in Texas because you're getting an influx of population booms all around the state. Um, that is something I won't bore the people with. Uh, but Austin, everybody knows it's one of the fastest growing seeds in the country has been every year for the last 10 years. Um, people don't know this, Louisiana, and this is, one of those things that is a lot of different factors are contributing to this and you know, climate change is one of them. When you have these unfortunate situations in, in Louisiana where Hurricane Ida hits or Hurricane Laura hits and it just ravages a community mm-hmm. and they have evacuees, they all go to Texas. They all go to Houston. If you look at the last five to 10 years and NFL players per capita, like states that produce the most NFL players per capita, Louisiana is always at the top. Mm-hmm. Always. It's mm-hmm. always top five, always top 10. Go look, go look. They do the research mm-hmm. stuff. Always top five, always top 10. I, I can tell you how many guys who are recruits in, in Texas that have stories where, oh, man, my, my, my mom and dad are swamp people. They're from Louisiana, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just here. You know, I grew up here. I had some family here, and uh, we moved here when I was a kid. 
tons of those stores mm-hmm. all over the place, scattered, a lot of them in Houston, scattered all throughout Texas. But there's one example of what you're talking about, about just the different the migration patterns mm-hmm. that have. Well, I'm going to throw I'm going to throw another one into that, Rod, is is Mississippi has seen a lot of that, too, because if you look at I the per capita it. things, Mississippi is a very high state per capita as well. And that's another state, it, you know, the, the southeastern part of Mississippi. I have a friend from down that way. He he uh, uh, played the temple, but he was went to a Juco down there. His family's from down there. But they were kind of down that southeastern part where, you know, everybody talks about what happens in Louisiana, but nobody ever talks about the fact that that usually hits Mississippi just as bad. Right. And so that also adds to it. So you're getting really two states that from a per capita standpoint in regards to producing talent. And I, in like Katrina, I was coaching when uh, Katrina hit, but that was one that was even more than any other where you saw this massive move of people just because of the hurricane, but they, a lot of them never came back. They never came back. stayed in Houston. That's exactly right. And I think now you're seeing that right now, Houston, Yeah, I'll give you this stack because I think it's a great it's a great stat. I've been keeping up with this for a little while, and it's mind blowing to me. Okay, so the Greater Houston area. This is it from 2020. I'll give you a 2020 draft stat and a 2021 draft stat. The Greater Houston area and the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex area combined had more high school area players drafted in the 2020 draft than any other state, except for Texas and Florida. Mm-hmm. That stat also applied to 2021. Right. Same stat applied to 2021. Right. Just Houston and Dallas, greater Houston, greater Dallas, had more players drafted than any other state except for Texas and Florida. They're, they mm-hmm. alone are their own hubs and little meccas for producing NFL talent. And a lot of it's because of these migration patterns. Right. And Austin starting to blow up. So basically over the last two drafts, and we'll see how 2022 draft goes, over the last two drafts, 10% of all the players selected in the NFL draft have come from Houston or Dallas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just mind blowing. Well, Notre Dame had a kid from Texas. Texas. Yeah, yeah. Notre Dame had a kid from Texas. Brock Wright was not drafted this year and yeah. he was Notre Dame's third string tight end. Doesn't get drafted, goes to the Detroit lions and he's ended up starting by the end of the year. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> as, as you know, what 30% of the league is undrafted free agents. So, right. uh, I mean, right. so yeah, exactly. So how many of those Texas guys are also undrafted right. free agents? I mean, it is, it's unbelievable. Right. So that's why Notre Dame's got to make it a priority. You had, you had, a, it, now, now it is the most competitive. It right. is the most competitive, most right. cutthroat recruiting right. environment for any state. In my opinion, in America, because, you don't really get a lot of Pac-12 schools that will go all the way across the country. It's just, I would say it's irregular, right? It's uncommon mm-hmm. to go all the way across an SEC territory and try to gain a, a, a big footprint. There's right? only two. Things. I mean, yeah, it's Oregon to- and USC are the only ones that have been able to do it with any kind of success. Exactly, because you got to have clout to do that, right? You got to have right. a brand to be able to do that, and vice versa. The SEC doesn't really do it either. We have Bama will do it, and some big brands, but they don't do it either. They got so much talent in the SEC country, they mm-hmm. really try to just battle it out there, and then they go to Texas. But everybody recruits Texas: the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the SEC, the ACC, and the reason is centralized. Number one, it's centralized, right? And it's huge. It's got so many pockets. It's got Houston. It's got Dallas, San Antonio. Uh, it's got. Hell, it's got the beast Texas. Oh, you go to East Texas, you got West Texas. Hell, you got Central Texas with Austin now blowing up. San Antonio's got so many pockets of talent. You can you, you can carve out your little piece. You mm-hmm. there is enough for you to carve out your piece, especially when you got a brand like Notre Dame mm-hmm. that that everybody recognizes. 
So I, I'm with you. I, 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 it's, it's a shame, actually, right now that Notre Dame doesn't have a bigger piece of Texas. Yeah. Because everybody's getting a bigger piece of Texas. Everybody right. is. Well, and I, I think that's a, a very, you know, an aspect of Ohio State that I think has been very smart that they've done in recent years. I mean, Ohio State has gone down there, and it's not a ton of kids, but they're no. going down there and getting dudes. And, you know, I mean, they just look at their receiving core. I mean, their Jared receiving Wilson, core the yeah. last couple of years, is, uh, just Man. you've got, you know, Marvin Will, Marvin Harrison coming along this year. You know what I mean? So yep. it's 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 kind of it's kind of it's been interesting to kind of watch how it all how it all has gone is you, you Alabama's a team that that has done that. I'm looking at Ohio State they now, have. Jackson Smith and Jigba's from Rockwall, right? Garrett yeah. Wilson's from Austin. Uh you know, they, they got a, a DB from, from there. They've got uh, Donovan yeah. Jackson, who was a stud offensive lineman, yeah. like top 50 well, offensive lineman Texas last year from Bel Air. Yeah, Texas just got two transfers from there, right? From Ryan, uh, they got yes. Ryan, uh, Ryan Watts, the DB, and they got Quinn Ewers. Yeah, from, yeah, back right. From Ohio State. Back from Texas, right. He went and got his million to go to Ohio State, right? And, <laughs> exactly. you know, and he came back to Texas where he was always going to be, you know what I mean? Hey, so. Straight that kid's a hot mess, man. That kid's a that kid's a hot mess. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see how it goes, man. Well, and I'll, and Clemson, you know, came down to Texas and got Cade Klubnik, who I thought was one of you know he eventually became a top prospect. But I early on he wasn't considered the best quarterback in the class. I'm thinking y'all are missing a boat. Y'all are obsessed with the fact he's not six five. But this kid is a flat out baller. You know, this yeah, kid man. is a, no, is a really was. talented football player. And you're, you're, there was a period of time. It's interesting. There's a period of time in Texas where quarterback play took a step back and people ask me why and I said go look at the major league baseball draft that's why because it used to be where a lot of these kids were big time quarterbacks and big time play- baseball players and once the major league baseball draft started throwing more and more money at these kids it's like eh, I'm, I'm gonna go play I'm gonna go play like Matt Holiday. people forget you know who played for the Cardinals for all those years he was a big time quarterback to sign with Oklahoma State you know coming out of high school good football. point so yeah. Uh, but you're starting to see get back to seeing more that the quarterback, as yeah. you pointed out, is is getting. No, back everybody to that. thought Kyler was going to go take the money, and he right. wanted to play football. This is passionate right. about football, but no, that's a good point. I, that's actually I didn't think about that. Texas, the state of Texas, has become a quarterback mecca. But there's an right. argument to be made that it probably could have been producing more quarterbacks now because maybe some of those guys, when they were younger, decided, "Now nah, I'm going to play baseball. It's easy right. money. It's good money." Yeah, you know, so. Alabama has over 10 kids on there. I think there's like 10 to 15 kids from the state of Texas on their roster. Now they lost a couple (laughs) this offseason. Drew Sanders transferred out, Kamar Wheaton transferred out, but they've gone to Texas and recruit. So when Alabama, to your point, who doesn't have to go to Texas to get players, when Ohio State, who doesn't have to go to Texas to get players, when those schools are are going out there and saying, hey, look, we're going to go to Texas and get these big-time players, you start to say, well, why is that? And and Mm -hmm. it's – it's because they think they can have success there because they think they can get there. Now, obviously what's helped those schools is the fact that Texas has not been a big time program for a while. Uh, We we can discuss whether or not uh, coach Sarkeesian is going to change that. But as of right now, it's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the reality of it. Right. Uh, A&M has been good at times. You know, they have the couple of years of Johnny Manziel and, you know, 2020 the COVID year, but they haven't been a power you know, for a, no. for a while. Uh, and so it, that's made it easier to go out and, and, and get kids from, from there. And there's just so many, even if those schools are good, they can't get all of them. Can't get all of them. <laughs> they can't get all can't, of them. So. Can't sign everybody. <laughs> right. You know, and, then, and, and again, you look at Ohio state this year. I mean, Ohio state went back to Texas again this year, you know, signed to Mario Bohr. 
defensive mm-hmm. end side of another receiver, Caleb Burton, uh, out of the state. So th- there's talent to be had, but those kids have shown a willingness to leave the state. And I even think now more than when you were coming out, not just the, the transplant, but the world is a smaller place now for young people. I mean, when, when you were younger and then I'm even older than you are, you know, it's like going from Ohio to Florida was like this big, huge thing. It was like, I'm going out of my, my zone. And now, I mean, these kids are traveling all over the country playing seven on seven and going to camps. Exactly. And all. It's like the idea and yeah. everyone's on TV now. So, you know, you had mentioned, right. You had a story about that, right. Was it you that I was talking about? Yeah. You talking about yeah. No, I was, uh, I was being recruited. Uh, my, my, my five schools that I had narrowed the choices down to, uh, Texas, Texas A&M, Florida State, because I was, I was, hey, I want to be like Deion Sanders. So Florida State, went to, they were DBU, I think, at the time, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State, with Sandusky, was the defensive coordinator. So forgive me. If you'd have <laughs> known then what you <laughs> know <laughs> Thank goodness for R.C. Slocum, because I didn't go there. And then Colorado, because I was a Rich fan. I like Colorado. I went to Boulder. And I'm kind of a hippie, so I, I kind of like Colorado a little bit. Um, but then uh, R.C. Slocum, God bless him. R.C. Slocum uh, just beat cancer, so holla at R.C., right? Um, he um, he said, hey, uh, I, could, I never thought about this being recruited. I was, you know, 17 at the time. He said, hey, do you want your parents to be able to watch all the games and go to all the games? And I was like, oh, yeah, my parents go to all the games. That's, and he's like, well, just make sure you stay in the state. Because if you go out of state to Florida State or you go to Colorado or you end up going to Penn State, they're not going to be able to go to the games. And literally at that time, I hadn't really thought about it. And I said, man, that's probably the determining factor. That's why I'm staying in the state of Texas. And I, and I, had, a lot of, I had a lot of pride, right? I had a lot of pride as a mm-hmm. Texas, just a native of the state. I played in that Texas California All Star game. Remember that back in the day, old school. Mm-hmm. I played in that thing. We lost. I miss those. The Ohio Pennsylvania games, the Georgia Florida games. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I miss those being like big time rivalries. Yeah, dude, I love yeah. those games, man. And uh, yeah. man, that was fun. We went out to Cali for a week. We ended up losing. I think. Uh, and who was the quarterback for Cali? Was it Bowler? Uh, Kyle. Kyle Bowler. It? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I think he was. Do we lost on a hail mary? He threw it to the other corner, not on me. The other corner mm-hmm. there. Uh, anyway. <laughs> he can throw it a country mile now. He didn't know yeah, where to yeah, throw it all the time, but he could throw it real far. <laughs> exactly. Um, but but anyway, yeah, so I think, and, and to your point, I'll give you my theory on this because I've thought, you watch Game of Thrones? Did you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, I did. Eventually, I went back and kind of binged it, yeah. Okay, so basically, Matt Brown ruled the Iron Throne of Texas mm-hmm. probably longer than any coach had ever had in the modern history of recruiting from – I was part of the number one recruiting class in 1999. So from basically from 2001, when he went on that run of winning at least 10 games from 2001 to 2009, then 2010, of course, it falls off a cliff from 2001. You win at least 10 games all those years and Texas and and Mac had the best recruiting class in the conference every year. But also he also in, in that time span, he basically got all the top players in Texas and everybody else got the leftovers. And I do believe that Mac Brown and R.C. Slocum had a bit of a, a gentleman's agreement that, listen, we'll keep a border around the state and keep all the other guys out of the state, the big blue bloods that want to come in, mm-hmm. and me and you can battle it out for the top prospects. Mm-hmm. And two things happened to Mac Brown. First of all, the program fell off a cliff in 2010. You went from a national title appearance, title game appearance to a five and seven season without making a bowl game, and Mac Brown lost his stranglehold mm-hmm. of – of recruiting when he basically was able to walk in any living room and say, Hey, we're the best program in the state of Texas. And just like you said, as soon as he lost that stranglehold and he lost that grip on the iron throne, 
that's when Texas A&M and Baylor and TCU and hell, even U of H at times can claim, you know what, we're the best program in the state of Texas. It ain't Texas, mm-hmm. it's us. And so Matt couldn't drop that. He couldn't play that card anymore. And that hurt him in recruiting. And also the Aggies, when the Aggies left, say what they want, because there's I got data to back it up. When the Aggies left to go to the SEC, it did affect recruiting for Texas because even though Texas was playing, you know, subpar football from 2005 to 2011, you look at the top 15 recruits in the state, like the top 15, um, Texas from 2005 to 2011, part of being in their heyday, they got 43, close to 44% of the top 15 recruits in the state, right? So they were, they were killing it, getting close to half of those recruits. When AM leaves and goes to the SEC, and Texas program falls off a cliff, they dropped to 29% of the top 15 recruits in the state from 2012 to 2020. So they weren't getting the top recruits in the state. They were, a lot of them were leaving, like you said, leaving the state, but they definitely weren't going to Texas. And by the way, Texas A&M started getting more of those. They went from getting 10% of the top 15 recruits inside the Big 12, went to the SEC, they were getting 18% of the top 15 recruits in the state of Texas. So it helped them going to the SEC. And later on now, Texas in retrospect decided, yeah, you know what, it is a good idea to move to the SEC and we're going to do it too. So it'll help our mm-hmm. recruiting. It'll boost our program and we'll right. make more money on a bigger platform, on a bigger stage. So a lot of those things affected the way Texas was able to have that stranglehold on recruiting. They lost their grip on the Iron Throne. Truth is, Brian, I don't know if anybody will ever rule the Iron Throne of Texas ever again and and be able to rule and say, we are the best program in yeah. the state and we recruit like that. I don't think it's ever going to happen, even with Sarkeesian trying to bring it back. Right. It, the, the, it's kind of like once that Pandora's box has been opened, you can't, you can't put it back once yeah. kids have realized i can leave the state and have success and if i love texas i can come back in three years or four years you know what i mean and exactly uh, i i think once that's kind of we've talked about this on our show a lot you know why it's important for notre dame to go in these certain areas get a kid and that kid's got to be successful you know like you want to recruit top safeties have a kyle hamilton come out and be successful right and kids yep. say hey you know what i can go there well they produced harrison smith a few years ago now kyle hamilton hey you know what i can go there because you can tell a kid. I mean, Rod, you went through this. I, I, I can tell you all I want what we're going to do, but if I can't show you on film or I can't point to an example where it's actually been successful, you know, a, a well-informed kid, family, or coach is going to be able to kind of poke a lot of holes in that in that recruiting exactly angle right. that you're going with. And so, you know, for Notre Dame, it's one of those things where the, even in those eras where it was hard to get kids out of A and M territory, I mean, out of Texas from because of Texas and Texas A and M, and I like to throw Oklahoma in there too. Because I think those three together really just have for a long time just you just you had a hard time going there, but Notre Dame was still able to go do it. Yep. And and I think that it because it is it is a, a different type of deal. And I think that the fact that Ohio State has had success in the state, the fact that Bama's had so many kids from the state, I, I just think that that Pandora's box has been opened. And now the key for Sarkeesian is I think twofold. Number one, you have got to keep a higher percentage of the top players in your state, right? But I don't think recruiting has always been the issue at Texas. I think it's been coaching. I mean, they've had players. I mean, they're they're losing to teams every year, Rod, You that they have no business losing to. And it's not because, yeah. well, we don't have enough big-time players. But no, it's because you coach, you can't coach your way out of a wet paper bag. That's why you keep losing these games. <laughs> and I think also they're going to have to kind of do reverse engineer this thing a little bit and say, hey, let's go out to California and take advantage of the fact that the West, the Pac-12 is not that good. Yeah, I think that's going to be a key. And I'm very curious to see how going to the SEC is going to impact their recruiting. 
it's either going to yeah. help them or hurt them even more. And I'm not sure which one it's going to be. It's, it's, I think it's like you said, Texas has never had a, a problem with, with talent acquisition, right? They've been maybe from a national championship years. standpoint, but not winning the Big 12. Yeah, consistently. They, they, have, they, right. have, they have had, even in their down years, they've had the second best recruiting class in the Big 12 every year at the worst and the first uh, ranked recruiting class in the Big 12 most years. Mm-hmm. So they're not, yeah, they losing to Kansas, there's no excuse for it. I don't care, right? A six-game losing streak, there's no excuse for it. Uh, but getting back to what you said, uh, it's latest recruiting class uh, for Texas, 60, sorry, uh, Texas, 71% of the 2022 recruiting class is in states from the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. So Steve Sarkis is trying to bring it back. But when they go to the SEC, we've talked about it, right? We talked about Mississippi and, you know, per capita, how many NFL players come from that state. I talked about Louisiana, how many NFL players come there. I mean, just top five in producing NFL players per capita. You know who recently has jumped into that conversation too? Georgia. Georgia. Mm-hmm. The state of Georgia is in there. You just Atlanta, the Atlanta area alone. Unbelievable. Yeah, and I think that's right, and we I talked about this on our show, right? It's all population shifts. I mean, that's the thing exactly. is, it's, same with North Carolina, like the Charlotte Raleigh area is just the yep. tech boom there. You know, I mean, I like to use electoral votes as an example, and I'm like, go look at the electoral votes in Illinois, and Ohio, and Pennsylvania, and Michigan in 1988, and then look at them in 2000. You know, 2020. It's no, I'm with you. You, you see it. It's huge. I bet you could. I bet you could track it. I bet if we want to do an extensive breakdown and look at migration patterns and mm-hmm. population booms yeah. and college football yes. recruiting and, yes. and like NFL per capita, I bet we could yeah. find a trend and find correlation. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. I'm with you. Absolutely. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so, so I, I totally agree because that's why we talked about the you know the Louisiana evacuees unfortunately for Katrina mm-hmm. and Ida and Laura it's unfortunate but you go look at years later and that's why Houston and Dallas are having these big booms in NFL talent because not only does Texas have a lot of talent but then they're getting migrations from you know right. like you said Mississippi and Louisiana right. those third coasts and it's not always like you know natural disasters it's you look at Pennsylvania for example it's the coal industry is de-emphasized the steel industry takes big hits ohio like when i grew up in ohio and it's like you've got all these car plants you've got these factories well when those things kind of start you know about 30 years ago start kind of shipping across the border to mexico or other places and labor's cheaper and yeah you know things like that and all of a sudden people you know just sit here and not have a job no people move people migrate to where the jobs are you know i don't know if that's you know more and more people aren't doing that, but that's a whole different conversation for a whole different show. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, but, we don't uh, get too deep into it. Right, but, but like, stuff. you know, you look at like Notre Dame in like 88, 89, and 90, you've got Rocket Ismail from Pennsylvania. you got Ricky Waters from Pennsylvania. You know, you got Jerome Bettis from Detroit. Those areas are just not producing as many of the of the big-time skill players. And right. again, it's a lot of it's just population shift. And so you look at Notre Dame, you say, you've got to be ahead of the game, in my opinion. And I think Texas, the reason I, so the argument that I made about Texas being number one is, is also not just presently you can have success, but future wise, you know, California is hemorrhaging people. And that's yeah, why you're they, seeing Arizona. Texas. Yeah. And in Arizona too. I mean, you're seeing Arizona really start to produce a lot more, a lot more college football and NFL draft oh, picks. I think it was like almost John Robinson. Yeah, exactly. From, from, yeah, exactly. And from Texas. To your point, uh, Arizona had the second most, uh, sorry, third most power five quarterbacks in 2021 behind Texas and California. Yeah. To your point. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And, and and so you have to follow that and say Texas isn't going to get smaller. Texas is not a state that is losing population. Texas is a state is, is gaining population. And I think especially yeah. as as Texas continues to improve their their school systems, it's going to become an even more attractive place for people that are looking to, you know, find a, a new home. And so you have to stay on top. I mean, we have to stay on top of those things. So Texas has always been big. It's only getting bigger. Yep. And I think Notre Dame needs to tap into it. But here, here's the question that I have for you, Rod, is, is it's kind of a twofold question. Number one is, what kind of success do you think Notre Dame can have in the state? And this is the reason I wanted to bring you on instead of some former Notre Dame players, because obviously they've kind of they've obviously bought the message. They've bought into what Notre Dame is about. That's why they went to Notre Dame. Right. Yep. So it's easy to convince them. You did not go to Notre Dame and you did t- mention the top five. Notre Dame wasn't in it. Right. I mean, you're a Texas guy. You went to Texas. You live in Texas. So I thought it would be kind of a different view of someone who's not a Notre Dame person to explain to us. You know, number one, do you think Notre Dame can have success recruiting those kids in the state of Texas? And then two, why? You know, I I think number one, obviously (laughs) winning. Winning helps. They have five straight seasons of 10 plus wins. Right. Mac Brown was able to put a stranglehold around the state of Texas because he did because of two things, in my opinion. Number one, they won. Right. And number two, he started the whole early commitment thing. Like That's he true. was the guy that started getting kids like committing board. as juniors. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. And and yeah. so he he and that's kind of the recruiting. I I've I've not blamed, but I think you can track the whole massively sped up recruiting process to Mac and the way he did it. It's like not only are we gonna mm-hmm. lock down the state, but we're gonna lock you down now. We're gonna go get the now. kids we want now. Yeah. And then that allowed you to start getting a head start on the next class and the next class. And that's partly also why he was able to consistently land top players. And I think it also hurt him at the end because you start really, you start missing some of those kids that develop later because you're so yeah. locked down early that you miss the Pat Mahomes and they develop later, you know, and those type of I things. That. So, that did. No, that caught up to yeah. Matt too. That did. Right. That caught up right. to him. And lazy evaluations. Uh, there, on too. there you go. And I'll say this too: Mac Brown. Remember, Mac had Tim Brewster early on too. Mm. Tim Brewster now is a mercenary that's made his way through. You know, and Tim Brown's and always Tim. Tim Brewster's always been a mercenary. It's funny when Notre Dame's tight end job came open. <laughs> people were like Tom Lemming was like they should hire uh, Tim Brewster. And I love Tom Lemming. He's the godfather of this business. But I'm like. Yeah, Tim Brewster can't do the things to be successful recruiting at Notre Dame that he was able to do to be successful hey, recruiting hey, at Texas, I love Texas and Bruce. other places. And that may, be, that may be true. Bruce, my dog, man. Bruce, me and Bruce go, me and Bruce go back because Bruce recruited me. Tim Bruce recruited me. He recruited me. Because he, he didn't sales. recruit just tight ends. I mean, no, tight ends is the position they, they kind of gave him. He had to have a job on yeah. the staff. No, they recruit, he was they there recruit to recruit. Him. I call him the Ric Flair of recruiting. They would put him on whoever they wanted. They top. They like, man, we got to get this guy. They put Brew on him, and man, I can say Bruce would sell sand to a beach. Yeah. Uh, you said Bruce yeah. got his own methods, but yeah. Bruce he flipped. <laughs> he flipped Chris Sims from Tennessee to mm-hmm. Texas. He got me, my man Bo Scaife. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a dog now. He's a yeah. real deal. So that was part of it too. He had a he right. had a elite, uh, you know, basically a guy that could could, could really effectively recruit. He had a rainmaker yeah. in Houston. Yeah. So let's talk about. Let's talk about Notre Dame. Obviously, we, we you've already established Notre Dame needs to recruit Texas. Yeah. How much can they have success? How much success? And what what do they have to do besides obviously keep winning to have success? What makes you think, Rod, because I know your answer to this because we talked about it before. What makes you think Notre Dame can come down to Texas and have success? 
Uh, I think they can because they, they have a brand, right? Their brand is a strong brand that every college football prospect still knows, every college football fan knows. That means you can recruit nationally. Uh, the thing about, I wonder about Notre Dame, because I think they may have had some of the same issues with that Texas does at times, um, how to reinvent the brand. Like mm-hmm. the brand is, I mean, it's, it's Coca-Cola, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know I mean? it's, 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 it's synonymous with, it's Americana pretty much Notre mm-hmm. Dame and even Texas is where everybody knows the horns. Everybody knows what it is, but how do you reinvent it to make it cool for a, a, a young kid, right? A 17, 18 year old kid. That's what Mac have to do. Mac reinvented the brand in a really cool way with, you know, he had, now Ricky Williams helped. Right, having the mm-hmm. rebel with a cause, it does help having mm-hmm. a Heisman Trophy winner to reinvent the program. But Mac Mac built it around almost around celebrity quarterbacks. Right, he was you go look at his his program was great when he got his big time celebrity QB, whether it was Sims or whether it was Vy, and then he built it around family and then reinvented the Texas brand altogether and made it how do I say that made it the it brand. Right, I wanted mm-hmm. to go to Texas because I thought it was a cool brand at the time. I mm-hmm. thought it was the cool. I thought Mac was a cool young coach. I thought Texas was a cool young hip brand that was reinventing itself. So my dad loved it for other reasons. He talked about DBU and other things, uh, but I liked it because I saw that you know Mac sold it to me as a vision of, hey man, we're gonna bring the state of Texas back. We're gonna represent the state, and that mattered to me. Like that 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 meant something. But so if, if I'm Notre Dame, I'm thinking about because Marcus Freeman is, he looks like a very dynamic personality. I don't know what his vision is to reinvent Notre Dame in his own kind of image, if you will. Uh, but I, I think you should have a, make sure you got a sales pitch for the kids in Texas. Cause like you said, everybody recruits the state of Texas, man, everybody does. So he's got to have a vision and he's got to be able to sell it to these young kids. Mm-hmm. What that vision is here in Texas. Also something, I don't, I don't know why Notre Dame is not doing more of this, but, and maybe it's something that's, a moral issue with Notre Dame or ethical issue, name, image, and likeness. Man, you're gonna come to Texas. You gotta weaponize that. Yeah, right I, now, Notre, I, Notre Dame is doing a lot of that. What Notre Dame's not Harvard. doing a good job of is they're not promoting it well enough. Like okay. that's that's the problem. Like I've read multiple places where, like Kyle Hamilton, for example, was one of the highest paid players in college football last year. And Notre Dame okay. just doesn't promote it. So I yeah. think they're having a. I think they're having a. a, a a challenge in regards to well, we're not as a school supposed to be setting these deals up. Marketing. Or, how basically. how are we allowed to market? Can we mark? You know what I mean? Like, does that yeah. cross the line of? I think what Notre Dame's afraid of is we start pu- pumping this, and then the NCA comes down and hammers us later because they say, "Well, that's not how it's supposed to be." Because you know the NCA does stupid things all the time, and so I think that's the issue. Like, I know for a fact one of their top players just got a is, is either just signed or is getting ready to sign a deal where he's getting a $40,000 signing bonus, signing bonus. Go. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I know a couple other players who I've talked to their parents are like, yeah, you know, he's, he's probably, he's got deals signed over the next year. He's going to make about a hundred grand. Like, so the kids are getting paid. Notre Dame's just not doing a good enough job, in my opinion, of promoting those yeah. things. That's that, a good point. At least outwardly, they're doing it when the kids come on campus, like they're yeah. doing it in the personal conversations. They're just not doing it like social media and these other forms that, that, that make people think, Oh gee, look what, AM's doing or look what Ohio State's doing or look what so-and-so is doing. Notre Dame is, is not doing that. And I think it's because they're concerned about how how are we allowed to promote this? Because okay. technically you're supposed to as, a, as an institution, Honestly, you're not supposed to be like facilitating these deals. Which party. I think is stupid. 
It is, but I, I have so many questions. I'm with you, man. I mean, obviously a little sidebar here. I'm, I, I have a, I got a coach, I got coach friends that I want to sit down and have conversation with exactly when you're sitting there recruiting a, a prospect, right? You're recruiting a young man or woman, all right, for any sport. Exactly how much can you talk about name, image, and likeness? Right. Can it be a part of the pitch? How much of the pitch do you have to do? I have to bring somebody with me from the third party to say, "Hey, talk right. to Calvin about name, image, and likeness." I can't talk about that right now. Or go to you know what I mean? Like go to compliance, yeah. and compliance will hook you right. up. Like I don't even. I would love it right now. And you know, state to state, it's different everywhere because it's based mm-hmm. on whatever your state law is, right. which are vague purposely because they want mm-hmm. them to find loopholes and be able to circumvent their way through it. It is a freaky, crazy thing. Mm-hmm. And the NCAA doesn't want to touch it because the NCAA no. wants this whole damn thing to implode. They want right. us to look at it and say, man, we really made a mistake uh, uh, allowing name, image, and likeness mm-hmm. to, to pass legislation. We should have we thought this thing through. They want mm-hmm. us to regret that decision. And right. we're not going to regret that decision. And until Uncle Sam steps in with federal legislation to kind of have some national regulation over name, image, and likeness, which, by the way, I think we can all agree Uncle Sam is really busy and probably won't get around to that for about four or five years. And they're going to do it wrong anyway. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, so just so you know, it's going to stay the wild, wild west. So, right. so, so what I would tell Notre Dame is don't worry about the NCAA. Right. Right. The, the Supreme Court Well, but that's just, that's just going to be – that's that's how yeah. Notre Dame is. I mean, they've always I know. they've little, always been that way. Yeah. You can't be paranoid about that because Texas right. was at one point too. And if you're going into the SEC to play with the big dogs, I, right. I've had big money donors tell me at Texas, Texas wants to be the name, image, and likeness capital of college sports. Mm-hmm. They right. said they think they got the money to do it. What did Red McComb say? They got more money at Texas than anybody except the Catholic Church. That's you guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're talking about being like taking off like little flex the dome and giving it to kids. Like, here you go. You know. <laughs> exactly. So, and that's what name image like this about. It's about finally right. flexing that money muscle and saying, all right, this is how much money we can spend. And how about right. this? The Aggies ended up beating the Longhorns and weaponizing name image and likeness right. better than anybody else in the They didn't football. weaponize name image likeness. They weaponize enticing kids to come with crap that everybody knows is going to get him on probation at some point in time down the road well, i mean that, yeah, that's just I, I i don't know what's going on over there i'm not gonna act like i do i'm not uh, i, I better make sure to... i'm careful i want jimbo to get all mad and yell <laughs> at me in his next press conference you know jimbo will drop that name <laughs> what a clown but, but no uh, i'm not dissing the aggies so i don't know what's going yeah. on but i i will i am aggies I think they weaponized name and Jalakin, so I'll give yeah. them credit and say yeah. they did they did the damn thing because they're beating Texas right now in that aspect. Right. And Texas wanted to flex their muscle and name like so in the state of Texas, you have the two institutions, whether they're doing it legitimately or illegitimately or whatever. Yeah. I think they're doing it above board, but they both but, want to be considered the name, image, and but that's why I think Texas is gonna have more success with it. That's why I think Texas is going to have more success with it. That's why I think Ohio State's going to have more success with it. That's why I think Notre Dame's going to have more success with it than AM. Because I think you and I both know mercenary programs rarely win. Rarely win. The thing that has made Nick Saban so good is if, if, if well, I don't care if you're the number one player in the country, the number five, you're buying into the process. You're yeah. coming here because you've bought into the process. Now, Am I going to be naive and say that Alabama hasn't used enticements to get kids there? They have, right? But <laughs> to, but they accept that kid into the program because they chose that kid because he has bought into the process. He will come here and buy into the process. Now let's go do what we got to do to get him here, right? Yeah. And that's the difference. Whereas other programs, like this is what hurt Urban Meyer late in his tenure. 
he went away from what got him the success he had and started going all over the country to California, New Jersey, and bringing all these mercenaries, essentially, kids that were coming for the NFL and coming for this and coming for that and not coming because I want to win a championship. And I think that's what Ohio State has done. Like, yes, we're going to take care of you. You're going to be rewarded here, but you're still coming here because you want to win a championship. And yeah. I think that's that's the thing that, to me, uh, would concern me if I'm A&M, is they're just – when you're just getting kids that way, especially late in the process, you're getting kids that I think otherwise would not have chosen your school without that. And I just feel like that's going to make it harder for you. Cause you know, this right. I don't care how much talent you have. You got to be a team. You can't just be a bunch of dudes kind of doing their own thing, right? You've got to oh, yeah. be a team. And so that's a bit of a concern for me. I don't want to get too far off track on that. Cause we, no. we should have another conversation about that. Cause like, no, that would no, be a very interesting that's conversation. A deep, that's deep, man. Yeah. yeah no, um, and names like this is going to make it challenging for every coach to be able to de- decipher between building a team and just acquiring right. talent. Like you said, right. good point. and that's what oh, A&M, A&M is acquiring talent, right? They yeah. signed 75 defensive ends. I mean, you can't play all those guys, right? I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're going to lose three of them, right? And, and some of these kids are just going to go to the school because of the train. There's the other thing with NIL that's not being taken into account. When you use that as enticement to get a kid there, he's going to come, get his paycheck, and leave after his freshman year and transfer right away to another place. You're going to see more of that at some of these schools that You're are using NIL as enticement. Yeah. It's because if I, I came that. there, you know this, Rod, if you, once you get there and you get that money and you realize, I, I, I don't like it here as much as I, the, you know, Hey, I got my money. What are they going to do? It's like when, when A&M, when A&M gave um, Eric Dickerson a train, like, what are they going to do? Take it back. <laughs> they going to turn you in. We gave him a trans am and he didn't do what he was supposed to do. He didn't come play for it. <laughs> I love that part about the pony excess. That was the best thing oh, about it. Like, what are they going to do? Yeah. turn you in like hey we gave him all this money <laughs> illegally and he didn't he didn't do what he's supposed to do you know what i mean so yeah, you're right about that man you know kids know are going to recognize their power like yeah. that's what they're going to do but anyway when you look at texas i think that that like you mentioned i think the brand about notre dame is sometimes being that americana brand can backfire if you don't sell it correctly because it becomes stale it's like you're still trying to sell what happened 50 years ago that's what right? I'm saying. That, exactly. That, I want to know now, right? And that's that's where I think that's two things Matt are helping did. Notre sell Dame. Sell that new vision. You got to sell right. that reinvention. But he's got to know what the vision is. I don't right. know what it is. Right. And 10 and 3, 12 and 1, 11 and 2, 10 and 2, and 11 and 2 in five straight years helps. Right? Because, yep. hey, we've been in the playoff two in the last, you know, however many years. Uh, that helps. And then when you when you look at Marcus Freeman, I mean, you talk about, you know, he, he's 36. His coaching staff has a 29-year-old offensive coordinator, a 38-year-old wide receivers coach who came from Baylor, a, a 41-year-old tight ends coach, a 37-year-old defensive line coach, a 34-year-old cornerbacks coach, a 27-year-old uh, uh, safeties coach, and I think their special teams coach is in his late 30s as well, Brian Mason. Yep. And so it is a young, energetic staff with also enough balance of the Harry He stands and the Dylan McCulloughs and the Al Goldens who have – some some age to them, but they have experience and reputation. And I think there's a healthy balance there. But at the end of the day, it's got to be about selling what you know makes Notre Dame unique. And I think the thing that a lot of people uh, you talk about, like NIL and, and Notre Dame fans, are panicking about NIL. And I'm like, why does Notre Dame have the number one class in the country right now? And it's not close, right? In, in 2023, and they've got kids from Tampa. They've got kids. For, they got one of the best players in the state of Texas already committed in their class. Nice. 
it's because the kids know what the, uh, Notre Dame is offering from an NIL standpoint. Because this class was accumulated post NIL, right? I mean, once it started, this is that class was put together. And I think that kids understand that, like, I feel, Rod, and you can maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like as these opportunities arise, more and more kids understand that it can't just be about football anymore. And yep. once kids start thinking about how it can't just be about football anymore, more and more kids are going to look at places and say, how can this place maximize my non-football opportunities? And I think that's where Notre Dame needs to step into this void. And that's where you can really sell the number one business school in the country and all these other things mm-hmm. is, hey, yeah, you can take this money. And Marcus Freeman mentioned this in a, in an inter, in a, a sort of a, a Zoom call he did with a bunch of former players is, you know, you may, this school may be offering you 200,000. We can't offer you that. We think you can make this much here because other guys have done it. But what we can do is we're going to offer you to where every day as a business major, you're going to be sitting next to some guy that's going to be a future CEO somewhere. You're going to be sitting to someone who's going to help, you know, start your foundation and your thing that you can take this 50,000, 100,000, whatever that you're going to make here and turn it into 500,000, right? Because that's the power the University of Notre Dame brings. And so, I think that's the thing that Notre Dame is selling. They're trying to find their niche and they have because they can't just go buy like other schools can. And I think that's the thing that Marcus Freeman is, is helping. And I think the other thing that helps Notre Dame too is a coaching change. And this isn't a knock on Brian Kelly, but I think it's, it's a, a change in st- a coaching can in even without a, a win loss can invigorate a program. Right. I think we saw it with Sarkeesian, like even before he'd coached the game, they're just the energy changed. Right. We, you yeah. and I talked about, about this before the show with Notre Dame. There's a buzz about Notre Dame right now. Marcus Freeman's own one in the head as a head coach, kind of, you know, it's still Brian Kelly's team, but he he's on one, but there's just an energy about him. You know, there's a, I think that mm-hmm. new era thing. And so I think that tapping into that is something that has helped Notre Dame too. But I feel like you also have to go to places where that is, message is going to sell. And I don't think that message is going to sell as well throughout the state of Florida. I think there's some targeted kids like a Keon Keeley, like a Cedric Irvin Jr. that you can go down and find. But I feel like in Texas, and to a degree California, but especially in Texas, I think there's going to be more student athletes that are going to be persuaded by what makes Notre Dame unique compared to Louisiana, Florida, you know, Oklahoma, some other states that, that you know, produce good football players. Because Oklahoma is, is, is another one of the states that they don't produce a lot of players, but they produce some really good ones when, when they do. Yeah. You know, you look at the Tulsa area. So I think that's another reason for me that I think Notre Dame can have success in Texas is because I, I this is just been my experience covering recruiting, my experience getting to know players, having family, friends that live down there. Is I think there's more kids and more families that – we'll look at what Notre Dame has to sell, so to speak, and say, yeah, that intrigues me, right? And yeah. so I think that's going to get a bigger board of like more players interested. And then that, ex- the more players you have generally interested, the higher, the, the more, the more players you're going to be able to get. You know, if you can only yeah. get 10 kids from the state interested in you, you hope you can get two. If Notre yeah. Dame's offered about 30 kids from the state of Texas, right? It's, it's, it's a lot. Right. And more interest there. Maybe you can get five now from the state. And I think that's the thing to me that that uh, that makes Texas unique is I just think the message that what Notre Dame is selling doesn't work everywhere. Just doesn't. It. I think it works in Texas for a, a lot it, of reasons. I think, it, on that? I, I think it probably works is better well received in 
metropolitan areas. <laughs> right? I think if you go to rural parts of places we talked about Georgia, and you go to rural parts of Mississippi and Louisiana, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm like I don't right. think the message of Notre Dame is going to be received right. there because part of Notre Same Dame. Same thing of Florida too, Rod. I mean, there's I, a lot of those small be, rural schools in Florida yeah, too. I, I mean, these kids come. Right. right. My former teammate at at at, at Lamar High School, Jerome Sapp, ended up going to Notre Dame, um, and his mom just had an affection for Notre Dame back in the mm-hmm. day. So if you go to like those metropolitan areas, those more I know it sounds more the urban areas. I know it sounds crazy, but you go to those cities. And you'll have the parents who also remember the history mm-hmm. and tradition of right. Notre Dame, but the young kids, you can sell them. I think Texas has a program they call Leverage, where mm-hmm. they're basically talking about what you're talking about. Like, hey, man, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you how to start your own business and become an entrepreneur. We'll put you in a network so you can, you can talk to all the CEOs and the CFOs who are also part of our alumni base, one of the largest in the world. That, you know, give them all the advantage. Hey, we'll, we'll teach you how to build your own social media network and make that something you can monetize. Like all those mm-hmm. different little things that all the kids care about that are off the field, but also things that you can sell. Um, and I think Notre Dame, like you said, they have that program because it's Notre freaking Dame. They have the program, mm-hmm. but they don't like to, to sell it. They don't like to, mm-hmm. to market the fact that they have programs to teach these young people how to become entrepreneurs and things like that. So yeah, I think that's something they also... That is changing. That is changing. Even to give the stories to you guys, just give it to you guys. Yeah, man, we got a little program here for our kids. And drop it down to Irish Breakdown. You guys will post it, whatever it may be. But in Texas, that story comes, like we got the Pancake Factory by the Horns with Heart, which is one of the third party, uh, it's one of the third party entities, right? Involved Mm -hmm. with name, image, and likeness. And they specifically pay offensive linemen $50,000 per season per year Mm -hmm. just to be an offensive lineman at texas but they Mm -hmm. also have a charitable element to it where they can go work with their favorite charity or whatever but they get just which i'm okay with that because i feel like there needs to be some sort of transaction involved here it can't just be handing a kid a check right i don't know the rules but the coaches in texas don't have to go sell that to offensive linemen in the 2022 class there's a reason they signed one of the best offensive line halls in the country they they, they didn't have to sell it. They, right. It's already out there. It got right. picked up at, by the crime.com. It got picked up by Austin Merrick Station. So the, all the parents know about it. Right. It's already on social media. So I'm with you. It would save the coaches a lot of trouble. Just throw that stuff out there. Right. Market that stuff. The fact that these guys are getting right. the name. Would you like this? I know it's not. It's too classy for Notre Dame to do that. It's it's, it's not about it's not about classy. It's really not. It's just about it's sanct- it, they're trying it's, to be sanctimonious. Like what is it? No, it's just like because you got to think about it. The NCA, like think about what happened under Brian Kelly and was it 2014? Like five players are having a girl do their work for him, right? Notre Dame finds out about it immediately, deals with it right? Stops it, kicks the girl out of school, all this, suspends the players, then self-reports to the NCA. Hey, we had no clue what's going on. As soon as we found out, we stopped it and did that. And noted, and the NCA made them vacate two years worth of wins for it, right? Hammered them for it. North Carolina has fake classes, right? Yeah. For athletes. Was, and the yeah. NCA still hasn't done anything about it. So Notre Dame, <laughs> like for whatever reason, the NCA, I feel... The, no, no, no. I, this is my thing about the bigger the scandal the more hands-off the NCAA is going to be, right? right. And, like and that, I've always the, felt, the, the too, North that Carolina we, scandal was a huge, it was the biggest yeah. academic fraud scandal right. in the history of the NCAA. Right. They did not want to touch that thing. Right. They, they yeah, they're going to make Notre Dame vacate violation. 21 wins over two years yeah. because 
five kids are doing something that as soon as Notre Dame found out about it, they dealt with it harshly. Yeah. Right. And they've always been like that with Notre Dame. And so the, the Notre, that's also partly why Notre Dame always feels like they kind of have to, because they always feel like th- there's a feeling amongst Notre Dame fans, me included and Notre Dame people that the NCAA doesn't like the fact that we hold up the academic piece so much because then it makes everybody else look bad. Well, why aren't they doing that? Right. Well, you guys do this. You hold yourself out. You're separate. So when we get a chance to smack you down, we're going to smack you down. And that's a big part of this thing, too, with Could Notre be. Dame Yeah, is is, uh, hey, look, we have to be better because once you've lifted yourself up as sort of a different type of place, then the NCAA is going to, for whatever reason, decide that, oh, we're going to take Notre Dame, treat Notre Dame harshly. No, that's the uh, point. It, it, so I think that's part of it, too. But it's just kind of those things like, look, we're we're supposedly a you know Catholic Christian institution. We have to make sure that we're we're going to engage in these things, but we're going to engage in these things in a way that that represents what's at the core of who we are as an institution. And and people have to remember that they're not a public school. They can't act like a public school. They're a pri- they're not just a private school, but they are a a school with a religion. I mean, what does Notre Dame stand for? Right. I mean, you know yeah. what I mean. Like the very yeah. name. Yeah. Uh, of Notre Dame is that so I think that's that's something that they're I'm I'm okay with that right but you have to you have to do it the right way my issue with Notre Dame isn't that they feel that way it's the slowness in which they come to solutions that's more of my issue now the good thing is is that the, the the coaches are selling this the coaches have been ahead of this it's just where Notre Dame is falling behind as you said is the outward presentation of it to non student athletes how is their social media presence when it comes to stuff like this, not good. It's okay. not good. Uh, it's good with recruits in that they are really good at, you know, getting graphics and stuff like this to individual recruits. Notre Dame is not doing a good job of, in my opinion, and I've got a whole lot of opinions on this, <laughs> in in marketing themselves in a bigger, bigger way with some of the modern things. You know, Notre yeah. Dame is not doing a good enough job, in my opinion, of – taking advantage of its media. Like they, they often treat us like the enemy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Oh, you're lucky. We even allow you to X amount of practices. How dare you ask to be at more? You know what I mean? Like they're against, like they're, they're fighting us as opposed to, Hey, if you guys would just work with us and understand, Hey, I have a job to do. I have to be objective. So yes, I'm going to criticize you when you lose to freaking Northwestern, right? Just accept that fact. But I'm also going to praise you when you do things right way. So work with me, you know, like I've tried to get student athletes to come on my show. You know, we are, we have a a growing show. I get thousands and thousands of people listen to these shows. We did a one day fundraiser on our show in November where we wanted to raise money to help our local community. We raised $11,000 in less than 24 hours. Right. So I've gone there and said, Hey, look, let me get one of your players on here. Who's got a clothing line and we'll talk about football and we'll, uh, I'll, I'll promote his clothing line and people can buy it. Wouldn't, wouldn't do it. Yeah. Like you're hurting that kid, right? Like yeah. I have an audience of, of Notre Dame fans that would gladly buy this kid's stuff. Exactly Not all right. these people are on Twitter where his yeah. stuff is, but you won't work with me on that. Right. And and way, so I think, go ahead. Texas and, and, and Notre Dame are very, they're very similar in that aspect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I would say Texas uses their own propaganda machines. Though. Right. They actually right. do use their own social media websites. They do. And Notre Dame they, doesn't. They, yeah. they don't do enough of that. And they leak enough stuff to the media, I will say. They have their. Right. <laughs> now, we, we get some of that stuff. But when I'm yeah. talking about directly helping the players, directly promote the program, things no, like that, Texas they, don't, do they that. don't use us. But I will but, say that 
there are laws against it in the name, image, and likeness legislation for most states about how much participation the schools can have. Exactly. In but that's what I'm saying. Let them come on my show. Just let them. Like yeah. you don't have to promote it. Just stop being the roadblock to them coming <laughs> on my show. You know what yeah, I mean? That's, that's the problem yeah. that I have. That is. A you know, I don't that's want them to call me and say, "Hey, Brian, can you bring this kid on?" And that would be that would be stepping up to me over the lines. You're facilitating these things to get these kids money. And I don't think they can do that. But when I yeah. reach out and ask you about it, don't yeah. prevent me from doing so. You know and what now, I mean? Cause, Cause the thing is they don't let us contact players and set up interviews on our own. We have to go through them, which I'm okay with. I don't want these kids getting bombarded with media. They should have to go through Notre Dame, but then if you're going to be at the roadblock and not let us do these things and don't be shocked when, when the perception is because perception is reality, Rod, you know, this and, Yes, you're reaching kids when you actually finally talk to them. But to your point, the, the, the kids that Texas reaches out to in the 2023 offensive line class the state of Texas, you don't have to say, hey, now let's talk about this thing. They already know. As you said, they already know about it because it's been promoted the way that it has. Right. Yeah, Darren Ravel wrote a piece right. about it. Never talking about how right. terrible it was. And I was like, Darren Ravel just did Texas a huge favor. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so that's um, that's the yeah. issue with Notre no, Dame. I, is, Texas has it, the same yeah. policy with his players, right. I believe. But right. now they have where the uh, the different media organizations are having name image like these deals with the players, which is another, another game changer. Where literally that's not something I'll ever do, to be honest with you. Yeah, just, they have sites now that yeah. held several down there in Texas that have deals with the players. Yeah, it's, so it's a just a that's yeah. a game changer, man. It's a different. That's world. not hey, an. Air, I'm never going to go there because I feel yeah. like it. No, my job is yeah. to be objective. Right. Agreed. And if, yeah. if I'm praising a player that I have a, a deal with, okay, are you praising him because he's on your show, you know, and because, you know, you, you think he's good or, you know, Hey, why don't you ever criticize this guy? Oh, it's because he's on your show. I just feel like that's a bridge. I, I don't, I don't ever. Now I'll have you on to let you promote your thing. Right. Yeah. No, no, but, but I'm, I'm saying it's, right. it's, it's, it's the lines are all blurred up. Yeah. These days. Hey, let me ask you this yeah. thing back to how Notre Dame can have, you know, positive impact in the state of Texas. How many coaches on the staff, you're talking about them building the new staff, how mm -hmm. many coaches on their staff have connections in the state too? Because that's big, right? Texas coaches is a good old boys network. Yeah. Not in a bad way, but it's a good old boys network, right? With Mac Brown, when they won the national title in 2005, one of the first people he thanked on the stage were Texas high school football yeah. coaches. They want that love, right? Steve Sarkeesian had to go kiss the ring. Charlie Strong right. did not kiss the ring, and it, he paid for it. You right. got to get in good with them coaches. Right. So how many of those coaches on the staff have connections to Texas, have been there a little bit uh, in some of their previous stops as a coach? Because that's really important, man. Our relationships are big down here, probably more, more so than most places. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The only one that I know of for sure off the top of my head is Chancey Stuckey, who was at okay. Baylor last year. Mm, yeah, yes, he, he did a he did a good job. I mean, if you look at Notre Dame, the the kids they're recruiting, and we'll, we'll go to that next. Just to, I want to talk about a couple of these guys with you, and just kind of get your thoughts on them because I know you did you get a chance to watch the film and we, we the kids were talking about. I watched some. Yeah, I, I got a chance okay. to watch Huddle on most of the uh, okay. the guys out there. Some of the guys are in basketball season. So yeah, I, mean, I, I, <laughs> I watched I know, some right? of the basketball film on them too. Yeah, I got a chance to break them down. So I've already I'm, seen a couple of these guys already. Yeah, so I, I'm looking at I'm looking at the resumes and and you know like Jared Parker was at West Virginia the last couple of years. He's the tight ends coach. You know they obviously played in the Big Twelve. It's a little bit of a different. I know West Virginia likes to go down there. I'm looking at his. Yep. Uh, he coached for three years at UT UT Martin. That's Tennessee, Marshall, Purdue, Duke, Penn State. Uh, so so he's not a guy. I'm Al Washington. I don't believe is a coach in Kentucky or in Texas. Al Golden yeah. is not coach in Texas. Mike Mickens is not. So I mean, none of the guys have actually had direct connections they, there. It, and I, and I wonder if he'll hire because you know now you can hire analysts mm-hmm. and. But consultants yeah, consultants and all yeah. this kind of stuff. They have they have up. hammered the state of Texas. Like the the analysts yeah. have just been. I mean, there's, there's, like I said, there's like they've often now offered over thirty kids in the 2023 class alone. So, so, the I, I so I wonder if he's doing, he's if he's hiring consultants and all these yeah. different analysts still meant hiring because Texas hired a coach from uh, a Texas high school football coach to bring on their staff as one of their recruiting coordinators mm-hmm. of some sort, right. and they also recently hired um, Tashar Choice. And mm-hmm. I think one of the big reasons, because obviously Stan Drayton left, they had him as a running backs coach, and he can be a great running backs coach because even Lincoln Riley wanted him. But mm-hmm. he, the Georgia connection, right? We just talked right. about Georgia being a right. huge recruiting uh, mecca lately. He wants that. He wants that tie into Georgia. Yeah. Um, he hired a uh, young man from I forget his name right now. It escapes me. Who went to school at LSU um, and was a quarterback there at LSU but now is on the Texas staff because he wants that Louisiana connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and Terry Joseph on the staff, as you know, you guys know, he has a Louisiana connection um, mm-hmm. too. So I think that's that's a big part. When you're building your staff, you got to be thinking like, yeah, you know what? I want a connection in that state. Sometimes right. you just go down there and you got to hire a guy from that damn state who's got a lot mm-hmm. of connections and just go, you know what? Right. Would you come here and how much you making there? You making 40000 All right, man, I'll pay you 60000 Come up here and be my recruiting assistant to the recruiting coordinator. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just need you to focus on Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I think what Notre Dame has done a good job of is, and again, it's working within sort of Marcus Freeman's attempt to expand the operation, right? Like that's one thing Notre Dame is also slow on 
is building the back office up. Not something Marcus Freeman is really doing. He's had his analysts and his and, his, and people like that, the recruiting staff. That's where really they're kind of starting to try to make inroads in Texas, because I think he understands like, yeah, we need to we need to we need to have connections to Texas. But do I hire someone that has them, or do we make our own? Right, and mm, I think that's true. the avenue he's going. Is say, let's make our own. Let's be genuine, right? Like, let's go down and say, look, I'm not from Texas, but I but I know, and this is this has kind of been their mess. Like, I'm not from Texas, but I know Texas football is big time, and if we're going to get to the next level, we we've got to we've got to get some of your kids, okay? Right? And here's what we can yeah. offer them. So I, I think that's the thing too. Is like I think you know because the challenge can be is if you start getting to a thing where you're hiring this coach with this connection, coaches leave so often now that it's kind of like you know, okay, it worked for a year and then he got another job, somebody, you know what I mean? And now we're back to square Very one, true. right? So like as a, as a program, we're going to build this relationship to where now I'm plugging in whoever's part of it, but the message doesn't change as long as I'm the head coach kind of thing. Yeah. No, and I, I think that's one of those savvy things that I think Coach Freeman is doing is like, look, the the one area where he's hired guys that, in my opinion, are they've made a concerted effort to hire people is, is Midwestern and Northeastern people. You know, like, you know, Al Washington's from Ohio. You, you look, Tommy Reese is from Illinois. Dylan McCall is from Ohio. Uh, Gerard Parker's from Kentucky. Harry Heastan's from Pennsylvania. Al Washington's from Ohio. Uh, Al Golden is a Northeastern guy from New Jersey. Uh, Mike Mickens is from Ohio. Chris O'Leary's from Indiana. Because at the end of the day, Marcus Freeman knows we still have to have a base that is from Illinois on over to Jersey and up. That still has to be our base. That's where our volume is going to come from. And when oh, there yeah. are big time players in those areas, we've got to get them. You know, we've got to get back to where we're getting the rocketist males and the Ricky Waters from Pennsylvania, which in the 2023 class is a kid like Ronnie Gallagher. Can't lose that kid to Penn State. You got to start getting that kid. Yeah. Then we can go down to Texas and get our four or five kids, you know, mm-hmm. three to four or five kids a year at the most. Because yeah. then you start, you know, if you just get like three a year, all of a sudden over a four year span, that's 12. Yep. That's right. That's 12 out of 85. That's, that's a, to me, that's a reasonable number. And I, and I think like, do you want to, do you want to take a whole coaching position at Notre Dame in South Indiana and say, we're going to hire you because of your Texas connections, or do you hire the best guy? And in, in, in some cases that's going to pay off like a Chancey Stuckey, right? Yeah. Who they hired, they didn't hire Chancey Stuckey because of his Texas connections as much as his Georgia connections. Cause he's from Warner Robins in Georgia, mm-hmm. right? Was it Clemson? But then there's the benefit of he came from Texas and he happens to be recruiting a couple kids that we really like. But that's not why they hired him. That's just sort of a a, a side, like a little, you know, bonus, bonus to hiring yeah. him, right? And I think that's the long view they're taking with it. And we'll see if it works, right? You know, that's, that's the thing is we'll find out if it works. But they are definitely after some kids in Texas, right? And obviously, you know, we're, let's kind of talk about some of these guys before we get out of here. Okay. There's a couple DBs, especially one that's already committed that I I think he's an absolute stud, and that is Peyton Bowen from Denton Geyer High School. Uh, the, the story there is they loved his they loved his sophomore film, right? They really liked him, but you know how it is, sophomore film. Let's get the kid on campus. They liked him. He was kind of, you know, him and Caleb Downs were kind of their top two safeties. Caleb Downs is a five-star from Georgia. They brought him up to work out over the summer, and they were doing testing and things like that, you know, at one of their camps, and he ran a four four one, and they're like, hold on a second. We didn't know he had that kind of speed. So they're all looking like, okay, they asked him to do it again. He ran a four three eight, and they're like, yep, that's our dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, that's legit. Um, I mean, legit. just when I watch him, Rod, I see obviously elite athleticism, but still a developing player. 
What do you see when you look at at uh, at Peyton Bone on film? Obviously, play some receiver for Geyer, play safety for Geyer, play some you know some slot a little bit at times. What do you see from from Peyton Bowen? Yeah, uh, no, I like him. I, I like his uh, his body control on the field. You can tell he's got kind of an elite body control out there. Obviously, the guy can blaze. He's got flat out kind of next level speed. Um, so I, mean, I don't worry about a guy like that getting beat. Gets uh, gets out of his breaks really cleanly. And I like that his you know, track speed actually translates to the field. A lot of guys, track speed doesn't necessarily always translate. It, it translates to football speed with him. And I think he's just like, like a football player, too. I think he's got great football instincts mm-hmm. overall. Just mm-hmm. in terms of, that's why I, I like his body control, watching him offense and defense. Man, he's one of those guys that moves. It's a, it's a real smooth transition when you mm-hmm. see him coming in and out of his breaks, man. So I love athletes like that. And like I said, the speed is something. I was talking to my man KD about this not too long ago. Man, Notre Dame's got to get back to the point where they had speed on both sides of the ball. I remember those days where Notre Dame speed was actually something people feared. Well, the 88 game against Miami. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you think about the 88 game against Miami and we Chris Zorch and but they had Rocket. I mean, they had Rocket, who's the always the fast players in the field. Ricky Waters, right? Todd Light was an elite athlete. Pat Terrell was an elite athlete from mm-hmm. Florida. I mean, you're right. They they didn't have maybe as many four four guys as Miami, but their dudes could run. Tony Rice. Could go. I mean, yeah. you know, they 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 could they could, they could run. And then when yeah. you get into the late 90s to when you were coming up, that was gone. I mean, they were a slow football team. I mean, they yep. had guys with some, you know, they had good athletes, but they didn't have speed. That's that's not they the same. Speed. You can be a really good athlete, but not fast. And you can be fast and not really a great all around athlete. They had guys that were both. Ricky Waters was yeah. both, you know. And he's uh, both. Right. Ricky was uh, Rocket was like both. That. Right. Todd yeah, Light was both. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Exactly. I always joke about the the forty yard dash, and it's like, man, it's so so few. I think Randy Moss may be the only uh, raw receiver in the Hall of Fame that ever ran below four three. Like it's not. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean, there ain't a lot of those guys that combine the elite speed look, also with elite football. Look at speed. the best receivers in the NFL right now. Devontae Adams isn't a four four. Cooper yep, Cup's a four six. Uh, exactly. DeAndre Hopkins ran like like a four five eight. Right, coming yep. out. I mean, yep. right, because you, you if I'm a it's, it, Will Fuller goes runs a four three two. What? Yet to have a thousand yard receiving in the NFL, he can't even stay healthy. I'm a Texans fan, so right, right, yeah, man. So I'm with you. I've always said that, but it's rare though because we got one of those guys at Texas, X Man, Xavier Mm Worthy's like that. He's got elite speed, but also he's a hell of a football player, man. Right, it's it's about the play strength, combining the play strength with the ability to to really change direction. Right. And elite. That's football is a big part of that. Yeah. And with Peyton Bowen, you talked about the instincts aspect of it. Like, I think he's still raw from a technical standpoint because he does so many things. Right. He's never been able to just like harness in on being a DB. Right. He's a really good receiver. But what I always get nervous about is when you see a guy that has all these testing numbers and try, and then you're like, but he doesn't make plays. Right. That's the thing I love about about Peyton Bowen is yes, you see the athleticism jumps off film when he's pedaling, when he's planting and driving, but his, he makes a ton of plays on the football, yeah, and that's yep. an important thing for me. You, you have yep. at the end of the day, are you a great athlete or a great football player? And you want the guys that are both. And I think that's what that's Peyton the, Bowen the, adds. That's the elite prospects, yeah. the guys. At least the right. guys that can project to be both. Right, and that's what Peyton yeah. Bowen brings to the table. Another guy that I view that way is a, is a kid from some uh, from South Cliff, uh, one of my favorite corners in the entire country, and that's Malik Muhammad. Uh, love his length. 
love his athleticism. He's just another guy that you talk about a kid that just knows how to play. And I know this is kind of your baby, Rod. Like we're getting into like corner territory. You know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. uh, you know, I know this is this is your baby. But uh, what did you think of Malik Muhammad? I mean, it's going to be tough for Notre to get him out of Texas, but they're battling. He's been on campus before. But man, I love this kid on film. Yeah, uh, six foot one seventy. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the fact that first of all, he's got great pedigree. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got his cousin. He's got three cousins that played ball uh, at the college level. AJ Green is a cousin of his that mm-hmm. played ball at the college level. Um, Kerry Muhammad, North Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, EJ Muhammad at uh, Nevada. I mean, so mm-hmm. he's got pedigree. A lot of families going to co- a lot of his family members going to college, but not a lot of them are getting any student loan debt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, mama like that. Mama like that. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I like, and I've just said about DBs, man, because I was watching the Super Bowl this year, and I said it to uh, my wife, and I said it on my show too. And as a DB, I can say it now because I watch enough football. Mm-hmm. If you're a DB, doesn't matter how great you are, elite you are. If you're going up against an elite offense, um, an elite personnel, you're going to get beat. That's mm-hmm. the way it is. Look at what happened to Jalen Ramsey in the Super Bowl, one up against Jamar Chase. I mean, he just they, – they ate him up, right, T. Higgins? They did. I mean, I love me some Jalen Ramsey, what they did. So you're going to have those days, and you're going to get beat. So I'm not worried about somebody that gets beat. I want a defensive back that makes plays on the ball. And I'm not saying Malik Muhammad gets beat a lot. He's at the high school level, so that's not going to happen until he gets to the college level against like athletes. But I like the fact that he makes plays on the ball. He's one of those guys. I need you as a DB to make more plays on the ball than you give up. You're mm-hmm. going to give up. You're going to get beat. It's all good. We'll come back and we'll make another play. But you got to go out there and make plays on the ball. He had three picks, had six PBUs. He's one of those guys that likes to get his hands on the ball. He tracks the ball really well. So I, that's what I, my favorite thing about him. He's got, I think, ball hawk. That yeah. ball hawk instinct is natural. Trust me, as a DB, I yeah. didn't have it. Um, but I played with Nathan Vasher and Michael Huff. I played with guys that did have it. And when the mm-hmm. ball was thrown in the air, they truly believed in their heart. They It was theirs. They had more of a right to it yeah. than the receiver. Trevon Diggs style, like El's yeah. mine. Mm-hmm. And they had the ability to become a wide receiver in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I like guys like that. I, I didn't have that ability. So I see a little bit of that in Malik Muhammad because he – he does. He loves to try to make a play on the football. It can be a good and a bad thing, but I think mm-hmm. it's more of a good thing. I think, too, in college especially, because the, the the hand check rules are different in college in the NFL, right? Yep. In college, I think you have to to really play against the Bamas, the Ohio States, and, and have success. You have to throw off the timing. The best way to throw off timing is you've got to be able to come up and play tight bump man coverage those all have to be yeah. it, it can be bumping around but can also be you know i'm gonna i'm not gonna bump you at the line i'm gonna wait till you declare then i'm gonna get up into your body which you you can't yeah. really do as much in the nfl right but you can yeah, still right. do in college right yeah and and i like i like guys that have that length and that natch because he's, he's 170 but if you look, watch how he plays he plays like a bigger receiver or corner because he's got long arms mm-hmm. but he's got some punch I remember talking to – I played against Dre Bly in high school, and I remember – I love Dre Bly. Great player. And I remember talking yeah. to a guy that played against him in the ACC in college, and he said, man, we hated playing against Dre. I mean, why? He said he wasn't like an elite athlete, right? He says, but at the end of the game, it was my arms were cut up. I had bruises in my ribs. He beat the hell out of us, right? Because he just was <laughs> – he had such strong – like he could have been they a boxer, huge. you know what I mean? And he was strong. Please, and, and that's the thing is like, you know – it's what I've explained like boxing, like you have different, you have fighters of the same size. One guy has knockout power. The other guy doesn't. Right. Why? Some people just God given ability are faster. Some people can jump higher. Some people have just stronger hands. Right. 
And yeah, I see that in the league. Yeah, I see some yeah. I see some thunder in his hands, you know, when, when I, I he uses them. I love that Dre Bly story, man, because I yeah. played with Dre Bly. When I was with the Lions, man, mm-hmm. I played with Dre Bly. I love you coaching with the Carolina. He's coaching mm-hmm. North Carolina right now with Matt mm-hmm. Brown. And first of all, when I, when I played with Dre Bly, I, he was a little bit older, had love handles by that point, had a bit of a dad bod in the locker room. But I would get to the point, in terms of football IQ, he could diagnose route combinations mm-hmm. like Neo in the Matrix. And I would watch him run with Randy Moss, right, on a post route or a six route because he would, because because it's football, right, he would process things so quickly, he would get a little jump on mm-hmm. Randy Moss. Even though Randy Moss is running a 4-2 out there and he's running about a 4-5 or something, he would get a jump beta run with Randy Moss on a six route because, and he was a great DB, because he was he was, he was great at processing the game mm-hmm. and being able to now almost pre- predict route combinations based on down, distance, alignment, film study. I love playing with Dre Bly, man. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite teammates. I learned a ton from Dre Bly. I, I'm not shocked at all that he's a coach right now. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to kind of talk about one other guy on defense. Did you get a chance to watch Darian Gallette? He dude, is an intriguing dude to me. You sent me, man. He's, a, he's my favorite. I'm not going to lie. People rank him as a three-star. This is why I say I don't give a crap about rankings. If you're going to watch <laughs> that kid's film and you're going to tell me he's a three-star, you don't know what you're looking at. Like, I'm sorry. Dude, I just don't. I, I love him, man. Uh, he said he got a growth spurt. So yeah. he, he had a growth spurt, so now he's 6'3". Yeah. So how about this? This is what I love most about him. This is like little factoids away from the field. That he had his growth spurt, so now he's six three. Um, he played; he's basically played linebacker for one season, but he also was splitting time at wide receiver in that season. Yes. He played quarterback the season before. Do you have the stats? Did you write down the stats as a receiver? Uh, wide receiver? They're stupid. Fourteen hundred fifty-eight yards, right? On like sixty some catches. It was just stupid. Touchdowns. Yeah, on sixty some catches. It's insane. A six foot three, two hundred twenty five pounds. Oh, and by the way, he averages dude. a double the double bet in basketball. I know. I saw that too. <laughs> also, he's got good feet. He's got right. really good feet, and dude, he's an all state punter. Right. He he was his average almost forty five yards per punt. Exactly. He's just <laughs> he's just a free. And by the way, he's on the he's on the sprint teams at Marlin. He's yeah, on the sprint he teams. He runs the one and two hundred. A six three, two hundred twenty five pound linebacker. Come on, guys. I was like, no, If man. you watch, watch his film, Rod, and you have come to the conclusion that he's a three-star recruit, you need to find a new line of work. Man, I'm I'll sorry. take him right now. I you are not good at this job. Right now, I'll take yeah. him right I'll offer him today. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll take him. Come on. I know you I, might end up at somebody's there. Simmons free. Come here. I'll take him. Yeah. Well, and the thing about him, too, is, is yes, he can he's run. He can he's run and all that. That's all great. But the thing I like about him, too, and this is so important for a linebacker, is – I need you need a linebacker even in today's game, especially if you're going to play inside. Now Notre Dame likes him at Rover. They want him playing in space, which I love that they're you know. But he also can play in in, you know could play inside as well. You know I I believe it's important to also have a guy that can 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 have short area power, a guy that can take two steps and run through you as a ball carrier. And when you watch him play, there's a couple times where he'll take like three four steps and he's not even running hard, and then all of a sudden he takes one step and rips his hips through contact, and that running back goes flying. He's got and pop. Yes. He's got, he's, that lower body pop. explosiveness yep. is is just – it's really impressive. No, I see. And that. strong hands, long – I mean, he's got all the physical tools you want. It's obvious that he's not necessarily the most refined football player yet because he's only a junior. He plays all – and I actually like this because my whole thing is, Rod, 
you coaches make six, sometimes seven figures. It's your job to coach to get how to play. It's not Agreed. the high school's coach. I don't need this kid to play football year round. Stop playing basketball. Stop playing track. You can learn how to play. That's what you get paid to do. I love these kids that play multiple sports, right? Because I think it enhances their athleticism and the competitiveness and all those type of things. You know, but the the the, the technique will come. He's only played linebacker for one year. That's the other stupid thing about this kid. He's played one year yeah. for the linebacker. They're going. He's going to learn how to play. You can't teach all those other things, but he does. To me, it, it, I want to know if you what your thoughts. Are. I see a kid that that reads well, surprisingly well for a kid that's not really played linebacker. That was the thing that got me when I heard he only played linebacker for one year. I was like, is he just going to be like an athletic kid? But you know, his footwork gets him in trouble at times. But he seems like he kind of he get he has a sense of okay, this is where the ball's going, and, and I'm going to get to it. And that's the thing that yeah. impressed me because you don't again yeah. athlete football player. They're not always the same. This kid, to me, is a he's football both. player. Yeah, yeah. no, I love that, man, because I think he's both, too. I, because it, when I watched him play on offense, <laughs> it just it, – it really did reinforce to me that, no, these guys just – these natural football instincts are just on a different level. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think he – it looks like he processes really well, even mm-hmm. at linebacker for somebody who's not polished, because um, I think he's just – his instincts are just through the roof. Right. He knows where the ball's going. He instinctively kind of knows leverage and angles really well. Some guys don't figure that out till later on, like angles to the football. Uh, I'd like to see him watch. I'd like to watch an entire game and see how he takes on mm-hmm. blocks mm-hmm. Um, because I just think that's, that's the hardest thing for a linebacker to learn, right. right? Taking on blocks with the right shoulder, with the right leverage, with some pop, right? Sometimes I got to run through a guy. Sometimes I can run around a guy. When do you figure out when you can do with those things? When to use what tool in your toolbox mm-hmm. as a great athlete at linebacker? And I'm, I think linebacker today, it might be the toughest position to evaluate on defense, evaluate, project, and develop because mm-hmm. they got to be spread babies, right? They they right. got to work well in space because they're going to be out there on passing downs because there's no such thing as a running down or a passing down anymore. They're passing on first down, passing on second and third. Uh, and also I need somebody that can come down and, and, and pop, right? Somebody mm-hmm. can come down as a run defender and be able to fit the run and be able to do it and also get in there with offensive linemen and, and be powerful enough to take on a lineman. That, that that's a rare combination mm-hmm. of skills you're looking for yeah. a rare freak yeah. this guy is a rare freak mm-hmm. he's <laughs> also a rare freak because he's an excellent student i think if i remember correctly i'm gonna go look at this uh i'm gonna i'm gonna remember correctly and i'm gonna try not to get on my soapbox about this because i usually get kind of ticked off when i bring this subject up uh i believe he is one of those kids let me just look here real quick um uh, it's not on that list. I be, I thought when I looked at his offer list before that he had a he had an Ivy offer. I could Ooh. I could be wrong about that. Oh, he's one of um, those. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I could I could be wrong about that. But I'm, I'm let me see if I can find it. I might have him confused with somebody else. But I thought that that was the case, and I I can't find it now. But he's another kid that that Notre Dame is expecting. He's a, he has said he's going to visit Notre Dame this spring. So. You know, there, there's a lot of these kids from Texas talking about like, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go take a look up there, and that's the big thing for Notre Dame is you just got to get them on campus because what I guarantee you that Jerome Sapps had this conversation with me. when you step foot on campus the first time, it's just it's a different world. It's just it's a different, it's a very unique place, and you're either gonna love it, it or you're gonna hate it, and a lot of kids love it, right? And that's what gets Notre Dame in the door for a lot of these kids. So they've got to be able to get them on campus, right? Alabama's yeah. offered them, and them wants them, Oklahoma wants them, Ohio State's offered them. And so I think, and that's the thing that's helped Notre Dame is their D line coach Al Washington came to Ohio, from Ohio State where he was the linebackers coach. He recruited this kid at Ohio State, so there's that connection there. So 
They've now nice. got multiple coaches on him. Marcus Freeman's recruiting him personally. He obviously is a Damn. former linebackers coach. Uh, so he's a big-time kid, and Notre Dame's working hard. Now, again, is he going to be easy to pull? No. Would I predict that they get him today? Probably not, right? But they're in the game, and once they get him on campus, you know, who who knows? I want to about two kids here, Rob, before I let you go, and I really appreciate the time you've given us today. No, we'll man, kind of talk fun. about the other side of the ball, right? All right. Uh, two kids that I love, and they could not be more opposites, in my opinion. That's Jaden Greathouse and Braylon James. What about Jaden Greathouse first? Just – I want to get your – before I set it all up, obviously from Westlake, monster yeah. year last year, what are your thoughts about Jane Greathouse as a, as a player? Uh, I like his he, – he has great play strength. Man. He plays mm-hmm. like, just a physical force. He debos a lot of guys <laughs> when you see him once he gets the ball in his hands. Uh, I like him in certain situations like the red zone too because he's a, a bigger, thicker body. I don't think he is really fluid out of his breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not, he doesn't have elite top end speed, but he does have, you know, good play speed enough to get behind some guys, but I don't think it's elite top end speed. Mm-hmm. I picture him honestly on next level as kind of a hybrid. I, I envision him as kind of a hybrid offensive guy that, you know, Lincoln Raleigh uses some guys like this, where he basically uses the guys in H back flex tight end slash. Sometimes he may be a fullback. Jeremiah Hall was that guy for him. Um, honestly, Jaden Greathouse, this is a weird comparison he would he would be an Aaron Hernandez in my offense I would make I would turn him into kind of a flex tight end honestly mm-hmm. more so than an outside wide receiver because I don't see him in a slot and I don't see him on next level as an outside guy I see him in the slot no. in the certain offenses I think he could be a slot in more pro style offenses where the slot is used more as a chain mover you know that kind of thing but as a slot could. like a Clemson slot he can't play slot in Clemson like he can't do that Amari Rogers Hunter Friend that's just not who he's going to be. I think, yeah. I think there are some offenses and Oklahoma has done this at times where the slot is more of a, you're my route runner. You're my chain mover. You're my, you're my volume guy, you know? Uh, and then he could play a little outside. Here's my thing on him. He reminds me a lot of Michael Floyd at Notre Dame. He's just not as big and long as Michael. Michael Floyd was like six, three and had even longer arms. My concern, Jane Greathouse is, well, my, my thing I like is if you need a receiver that can come in and play as a freshman, he can play as a freshman. He's a very advanced player, really good understanding of route running, how to get open, you know, how to stem, how to stack, you know, how to decelerate, how to accelerate. I mean, being able to manipulate speed is one of the the most important aspects of being a great receiver, in my opinion. And not a lot of kids understand that. You're seeing it more and more and more now because of seven on seven. But even in seven on seven, just the whole mindset's different. You know, there's you got to get the ball out, this, that, and the other. It's just a, you know, kids play, you know, freelance a little bit more. I think the kid's very advanced. I think he is physical and strong. I mean, the fact that you're talking about him maybe being a, you know, maybe being a, a flex tight end speaks to his his play strength. So I think he can help you right away. My concern, however, is I feel like of all the receivers on the board, he's the closest to this is what he's always going to be. He's closest to finished product that you're going to find. That's that's my concern. Is how much better is he going to be in three years compared to where he is now? You know, because he is an advanced runner. I, I and most kids at 17 don't get more flexible as they get older. They get less flexible. He's not real flexible now, right? That's a concern that I have too, that you kind of addressed. And so great receiver. I just don't know the athleticism concerns me a little bit. And when you talk about projecting to the next level, if if I'm starting a high school football team, I want that kid on my team. Right. But when I project to the next level, 
I'm not sure just how well his game is going to translate as far as being a I, dominant dynamic player. That, but I think at receiver, that's the case. That's why I mm-hmm. would turn him into right. something almost as a freakish hybrid and move him as a flex tight end, move around at times in terms of situationally, put him in the slot. Some situations I move him around as an H back. I, mm-hmm. I think at just, if you just want him to play wide receiver at the highest level against like athletes at DB, I think, like you said, he is not going to progress, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and evolve and get better every year. Mm-hmm. I think he can do that in a certain role as a flex tight end. Because I think athletically, yeah, yeah he's going to be limited on this side. I love his hands. I love his like – I guess I do think he's got a really good football. He finds space really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just try to leave him out there and say, all right, you know what, he's going to consistently beat man-to-man coverage. Anybody, he demands. Right. He's gonna be at one point a guy that can have enough gravity to demand double coverage, right. or for them to roll safety coverage his way. He's never gonna be that guy. I think at times you would do him a disservice just leaving him out there. Yes, as an outside I, receiver. I so. think the thing I like about where I would kind of somewhat vary with you is I actually would still leave him a receiver, but the thing is you can't leave him in one spot. To your point, I'd use him in the slot at times. I'd use him as the field outside guy at times. I'd use him as because I think in the boundary at times against one-on-one coverage, he presents some back shoulder, some, you know, just that physicality aspects, right? Like he, you, it's like those, you know, this right as a corner, I've got this guy covered, but he's still open because he's six, two with super long arms. And if that quarterback can put that ball in the back shoulder, there's not a thing I can do about it. Right. I mean, you know, I think he presents some of that at times, but you can't do it all the time. Right. I think he can do some things. You said he, he finds space. Well, that's why I like him in the slot in, Notre Dame specific offense because Notre Dame is more of a pro style passing team where yeah. your slot's going to be working the option routes, the quick game, the drags, the crossers, the you know work the middle of the field, hit some corner routes where I think his game would fit well in certain aspects. And I think there are some things you can do with him outside on the perimeter as a as a field outside guy, you know, with your quick game because you know you can get him because he's a big kid. You can throw him big. a look screen off RPO and he can make that corner miss with a stiff arm. And go pick up 12 to 15. And also, if you're going to throw some RPOs to your slots and your tight ends, I want that kid on the perimeter blocking as well. So I think I think if you're going to have him as a receiver, and, and I like him as a receiver, you have to say, hey, look, we can't pigeon this kid, pigeonhole kid this into one spot. Because yeah. he has holes in every spot, but he has strengths at every spot. And a smart coach is going to use those strengths and take advantage of it. Um, you know, but again, I just think in three years, there's a, a, just some more kids are going to surpass him. So that's where Braylon James comes into the equation. He's the exact opposite of Jaden Greathouse because yeah. he has all the physical tools. He's just super raw. I mean, super raw where he may not be as good of a player as Jaden Greathouse today, but in three years, he's going to be even better. I love this kid's film. Like this is Rod. This is like a coach's dream. I coached receivers most of my career. This is the kind of kid you drool over. Like, cause <laughs> I, I can coach. I mean, I know I can get this kid ready to play. I can't teach you to be 6'4 and springy and, and tw- like, he's twitchy. I mean, a 6'4 kid is twitchy. He, Rod, is, is when you remember when that evolution of, of receiver changed about 15, 20 years ago, where oh, high yeah. school coaches started recruiting two guards off the basketball team to come play wide receiver. <laughs> That's yep. this. This kid's the epitome that. of that. I was covering those guys. <laughs> you're, like, yeah, you're bringing up some bad memories, Brian. I don't want to go there. That's what Braylon James is like. This is a kid 20 years ago is playing two guard somewhere. Now he's a six foot four receiver that can run and can jump 
And if he goes somewhere that's got a coach that can teach him how to play the game, this kid to me has a chance to be special. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I've now no. set that up. Now you're gonna you can disagree with no, me if no, you want. I, I, what are your thoughts? I on couldn't it? agree more. I would say if I'm if I gotta sum it up in like three terms, I'd go ball skills, burst, body control. Mm-hmm. That's what I love most about his game. He's got he's long and rangy just as an athlete too. Um, and I thought he actually was a decent return man. You watch some of his film as a return guy. He's great once he gets the ball in his hands. But I would say the art of basically the route running is the art of creating separation. Mm-hmm. And he's really, really keen at just creating. He's, he's not a polished route runner at all. And mm-hmm. I would say there's some route runners in the NFL who aren't polished route runners. DeAndre Hopkins isn't a polished route runner, but he creates separation. He has a knack for it. And this knack for almost how NBA players, great players with the ball in their hands, obviously, as NBA players, but they can create just the amount of space they need. He does that as a wide receiver. It's freaky. Um, so I'm with you, man. He, he tracks the ball well on the deep ball, um, attacks the ball in the air, um, which makes it really tough on DVs like me because I think you got a guy covered and, um, you know, then he goes to attack the football mm-hmm. out of nowhere. So you can be almost out of position at times because he's always looking to uh, to high point the football. So I, I I love his game. I'm a big fan. And I'm with you. I think, um, you know, he might be at the, you know, kind of the infancy of his development yeah. as a wide receiver. Too. Yeah, I, I just think there's always a need in today's game, especially as you see more and more man coverage, where you have a guy that's just never covered. And what I mean by that, this is what I was t- would tell quarterbacks is, look, that guy's five inches taller than the cornerback going against him. I don't care if he's covered. He's not covered. Throw the ball here and that corner can't do a thing about it. I think there's value to that. And I think that's what made Devontae Smith so unique is he was one of the few kids that could do that in a 6'1", 160-pound body. Usually you need those like six four guys like Chase Claypool at Notre Dame and Miles Boykin. And then I think Braylon James kind of falls into that mold, but with a little mm-hmm. bit more speed at the same age. Those guys developed yeah. speed later under Matt Bayless, but you know, I think Braylon shows up with more of that speed. And and I just like again, you there's certain things as a coach you can't teach. I can teach a kid how to stem, I can teach a kid how to mm-hmm. manipulate top ends, I can teach a kid how to battle with the DB with his hands, you know, at the line, down on the field. I can teach a kid all types of things. Can't teach you to be six four, and I can't teach you to be a four four. You know, yep. I just Yeah, that's, that's God's job. My job is to harness it. You know <laughs> what I mean? And so Trust me, um, if I'd have got two more inches, I'd have went one round higher in the draft. Yeah, right, that's, that's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Absolutely right. I was and, told that by NFL scouts. Like, yeah. man, you, you're 5'8", so you dropped yeah. it on our, yeah. our our draft board a little bit. <laughs> been, been, been there. I've had plenty of those conversations when uh, in high school. Uh, like I, I, I outplayed that kid all week at this camp. I'm so harder than he did. I threw further than he did. I ran a 4'6". He ran a 5'. And like, why why are you guys all over? He's like, I, he said, you see that kid right there? I said, yeah. I said, I can teach him to throw football. I can't teach you to be six five. Exactly. Hey, okay. <laughs> no, Not all I can do about that. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. Uh, Rod, this has been a blast, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, this was hey, a lot man. of fun. Anytime, man. This is yeah. good. This is fun. Yeah, Anytime so. I can come on and talk ball with you guys, man, I appreciate yeah. it. Well, maybe, uh, maybe down the road we get closer to signing day. They may have a few of these Texas kids on board, and we can kind of – we can talk, talk more of them and, and talk some ball, but we'll obviously talk as we get closer to the season. I'm really curious to kind of hear what your thoughts are on what Texas is going to be this year. I was having a conversation uh, with a friend of mine. I think I think one of the things we're going to do this summer is kind of 
each week kind of bring on somebody that talk about a team that we're intrigued by. Oh yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and obviously, you know, that'll, that'll be you. Uh, Cause you're a lot like me. You try to be objective, you know, even though it's your alma mater, you try to be objective and here's where they're good. Here's where the concerns are. I'm very intrigued by Texas this year and, and could see them going one or two, two ways. And uh, it's going to be really fascinating to see kind of how they develop. And then how does the change that Oklahoma impact Texas, you know, all these type of yep. things. So uh, going to be really fascinating. So we'll, we'll definitely bring you back on. And, and I look forward to coming on with you guys. Tell Kevin I said hello, obviously. Uh, you know, that, that's my guy. But um, I enjoyed it, Rod. Thank you so much. And, and hopefully that Notre Dame kind of takes our advice. And they, they've already done it, which is kind of why we're having the show and continues to be able to, to go down in the state of Texas and get and get some players because uh, I think it could work out for them really, really well. Hey, so No doubt, man. Hey, Brian, I appreciate the time. Yeah. Anytime you need anything from me, just let me know. Um, I'll be uh, in touch with you too, man. When we start yeah. breaking down the preseason stuff, our yep. top 25 and all that, um, Notre Dame will be there. So we'll reach out as well. So we'll be in touch, brother. Tell the people where they can find you, Rob, before we get out of here. Uh, I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. That's simple. Uh, but I do a show from 3 to 7 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time on 104.9 The Horn called Ball Don't Lie. So uh, you can check me out there as well. Also do Longhorn Blitz podcast. So anywhere you find your podcast, I do a Longhorn Blitz podcast uh, with uh, myself and a couple of other guys. And we just break down football all the time. Football, football season never ends for us. Yeah, Something that's why I see that name. See that name right there, Rob? Irish Breakdown. <laughs> We're talking exactly. ball. That's what we do, talking right? Ball. We talk ball. That's right. <laughs> exactly. So obviously, Irish Breakdown, people, hit that like button, hit subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. Obviously, sign up for our newsletter. Check out the message boards, boards.irishbreakdown.com. We've got some intel on the quarterback position in 2023 uh, on the board today. So if you're a member, you've already seen it. If you're not a member, you're missing out because it is some juicy, juicy stuff about Notre Dame quarterback visits and who the top guy is and how things are going. So you're definitely going to check that out. So Rod Babers, thank you so much. I'm Brian Driscoll. Everybody have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>